It is clear, it is obvious, the war in Afghanistan did not end on the terms we wanted with the Taliban now in power in Kabul. Whoa! <laughs> Understatement of the century. Thank you, General. Appreciate it. That was, of course, General Mark Milley. I just want to, before we get into everything here, I want to make sure, I want to make sure everybody has a proper recap on it. And I know what you might be thinking. Oh, Jesse, the, not Afghanistan again. No, 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 no. I think it's important we go over this because we're not going to allow them to do the thing that they love to do and the thing they do really well. Have some major screw-up. That's all their fault. And then... Instead of dwelling on it, talking about it, apologizing for it, they just zoom right past it. They just move to the next thing. And then the next thing, and the next thing, and soon they're five scandals past it, and you can, you're still like, whoa, 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 I want to talk about Afghanistan. We're going to have a brief 30-second you know, recap here tonight as we start out our show on the state of our military, and we're going to talk about Afghanistan briefly. I just, just give me a sentence or two. Just want to recap this for you. The Joe Biden administration, they without getting our American civilians or our American military equipment out first, just decided to yank our people out of Bagram Air Base, okay? Part of Bagram Air Base was a jail facility where we held the terrorists we had captured. Keep that in the back of your mind for just a second, okay? So we pull them out of Bagram. We then, because it becomes a scandal, everyone's looking around saying, uh, what? You just left all, all our civilians behind? What are you doing? So we send them back in, only we can't send them back into Bagram, so we send them back into a random airport, just like an airport around your area. Can't secure that properly. And then, remember that jail we just talked about a second ago? One of the guys we let out of the jail by closing Bagram puts on a suicide vest, walks up and incinerates 13 of our troops, 13 of our warriors outside of the airport. In response to 13 of our warriors being blown up by an ISIS terrorist, the Joe Biden administration puts a Reaper drone onto a family of 10, including adorable little kids, and then the next day, the generals went out there and tried to tell you it was ISIS we hit. And then it was, well, it wasn't the ISIS that was responsible, but it was definitely ISIS. And then about three days later, when all the pictures came out, they said, oh, okay, my bad. That a nice little recap for everybody? We're embarrassed on the world stage once again. And I will tell you this, the rot in accounting of, that we should have from Afghanistan, it is amazing. Did you see the latest? This was in redstate.com, uh, uh, and I want to give Jennifer Van Lar credit for it. Major General, the Major General, maybe you remember the pictures of the Major General? There, there was a picture of the Major General. He was the last one on the plane. Remember, he was or last one on the plane as we left. And of course, this is like has some half tri triumphant moment. I'm the last one to leave. What's well, so funny? Um, he got on that gigantic plane to leave and decided he wasn't quite done pillaging Afghanistan yet. According to this report, there was some Taliban Toyota that he wanted to keep as a souvenir. Apparently he had a weapon mounted on it and everything. And so he told, we don't know the exact number yet, between 50 and 100 people who were get, waiting to get evacuated from the plane, he told them to get off the plane. He forced them off the plane. We then took that Toyota, put it on the plane, closed the doors, and left those people behind. And there are reports, again, we can't seem to get straight answers, that some or all of those people 
are now dead. Are you disgusted yet by the state of your military? You should be. And remember, you have every right as a patriotic American to want a military that is honorable, that is capable, and hear me now. I know we have the best frontline troops in the world. I know we got all the fancy equipment, your tax dollars combined. Hear me now. We do not have a good military. We do not. We do not have a military at all capable of winning a major war against a major opponent. I'm never going to stop saying it. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops until somebody does something. You know why? Because there's an old saying and it's 100% true. You are better off having an army of donkeys led by a lion than an army of lions led by a donkey. Leadership matters a lot. You want to see America's leadership, what they're worried about? Here's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So. What is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. Definitely sounds like we're ready for the next war, right? Remember the Army recruitment video? With all the... I'm, I was a, I'm a transgender lesbian deviant. Yeah, definitely sounds like we're interested in winning wars, right? And I just want to go ahead and rewind the clock on you for a couple things. I want to let you know just how deep the rot goes. Do you remember when the Black Lives Matter communists were burning down American cities across the country? Well, just keep that in the back of your mind for a second. We have this place called West Point. It's a revered institution. It's the Army's military university. Much of our American leadership has come out of West Point. It's not only a brutally difficult school to get through, the physical rigors of it, it's supposed to produce the best of the best. And back to the Black Lives Matter thing. Remember when all that crap was happening? Do you want to know what West Point is producing now? Remember this little picture? There you go. A bunch of cadets with their fists raised in a black power salute. Do you want to know what West Point did? I'm in uniform, by the way. You want to know what West Point did with those black power students out there? Nothing. Not a single thing. That was back in 2016. So let me see. Carry the one. Yeah, it's 2021 now. Every single one of those students, if they graduated, and I'm assuming at least half of them did, every single one of those black power students, they're now officers. They're leaders in the United States Army. Do you still think we have a good military? Are you sure about that? I mean, I don't want to bring up old stuff, but do I have to remind you about American sailors on their knees with their hands on their heads, captured by who? What, what juggernaut, what military juggernaut could possibly have, have, have brought our, our sailors so low? Iran. Iran. Iran was able, able to overtake an American naval vessel and bring our sailors to their knees. I don't know if you remember this. They were then held captive. We had to negotiate their release. 
do you still think we have a good military? You sure about that? Oh, I, again, I hate to bring up old stuff. Remember that warship off the coast of San Diego? Uh, there was a huge fire on the warship. Don't worry, they're still investigating the fire. There was a huge fire on the warship, $4 billion in damage. Do you remember all the collisions they've been having in the United States Navy? On top of the fires, the collisions, they're running into each other all over the world now. For some reason, it's like it's McHale's Navy. How did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, we don't have a good military. Oh, we have good ships. Again, our frontline guys, Rangers, Marines, Green Berets, SEALs, all those guys. Oh, yeah, those are the best of the best. There's no question about that. Most capable, best, honorable warfighters out there. We do not have a good United States military. We have a bunch of politicians disguised as generals leading our military. They're worried about everything under the sun except what they actually should be worried about mobilizing a military force that is able to go out and kill all the enemies of the United States of America. We don't have a military interested in protecting this nation. We have a military interested in transgender filth, making sure women are happy. Are are, are we woke enough? Are the black people happy? We're focused on every single pathetic thing you could possibly be focused on except fighting wars and winning wars. And you don't believe me now because you can't see the rot. This has happened before, by the way, historically. You can't see the rot until one day you wake up, you find yourself in a war with a major power, and you're busy patting yourself on the back. We're America, baby! And then you get your teeth kicked in. In tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of your people are dead and buried. And then you'll look around and say, what happened? Don't ask yourself what happened whenever that happens. Pull up this show. I just told you what happened. It's happening right now. Very few people seem interested in turning that around. Now, I know that probably made you uncomfortable, but I am right. You don't have to take it from me. Decorated Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher joins us next. You can take it from him. What I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. That's the guy that got thrown in the brig. The one guy from all this Afghanistan mess that got thrown in the brig is that guy. We're obviously grateful he's out now. Joining me now, decorated Navy SEAL who was wrongly accused of war crimes. He's also the co-author of the book Man in the Arena, Eddie Gallagher. Eddie, how is it humanly possible 
that he puts out a video, gets tossed in the brig calling for accountability. Did, did he know he would be thrown in the brig when he put this out? Uh, he knew this was a possibility uh, for, you know, standing up for what he believes in and uh, speaking truth. Uh, you know, the Pipe Hitter Foundation uh, that we uh, uh, formed got behind him immediately after he put out his first video. Uh, we knew what was coming. Uh, we knew the uh, persecution from the military was coming since he uh, spoke out. Uh, and said exactly what everybody else was thinking. Um, this guy just had the moral moral, uh, moral courage to do so in uniform. Um, and, you know, this is the type of leader that uh, we need in the military. And, you know, the Pipe Bitter Foundation is going to be alongside him. Um, you know, as far as them locking him up in the brig, you know, that's that's the, the name of the game. Uh, when you speak speak truth and speak out against the uh, the big machine, um, you know, they they... They had no reason, real reason, to put him in there. You know, they say they buy, he violated a gag order. It was unlawful gag order uh, from the first place. And you know, you know, it could be a coincidence, could not. But you know, the uh, the fact that he was thrown in the day before, um, you know, Millie and the rest of them uh, had to testify. Um, you know, that's. Uh, I think they did that so he could not uh, make another video and speak out against them again. Eddie, uh, can you explain what the machine is for people who aren't sure what you're talking about? Well, the machine is the uh, industrial military complex. You know, the um, it's the system. Um, you know, if you speak out against the system, then they're going to come down on you. You know, I've seen this in the past uh, in my career, you know, officers, and it's, you know, mainly officers because they're the ones that affect change and policy in the military. Uh, they reach a certain rank, which is usually 05, and they start becoming very political. And every decision they make from that point on is political. And it's not for the uh, health and welfare of the uh, men and women below them. It's more for their own career. Um, and I think we sort of saw the pinnacle of that uh, with the Afghanistan uh, withdrawal. You know, you had these incompetent leaders uh, making an incompetent plan, uh, which, you know, fell the crap and then none of them want to take accountability for it they all know they don't belong there in the first place um you know they, they made rank by becoming yes men uh or bootlickers um and you know then they get into a position of power and then the whole country can see that uh they really didn't earn their way to the top um they just sat there and said yes to whatever and also lied to the american people and, and lied to four different presidents uh over the past 20 years Eddie, can you explain, I mean, you probably can't because you didn't do it, why do they climb in rank and change so much? I mean, guys like Millie, I, I mean, obviously, I just, just despise the man now, but Millie is not some pogue. He's not some career paper pusher. I mean, this dude still was SF. And now look at him. What happened? How does that happen? You know, that it happens by them becoming yes men. Um, and, you know, from my extensive, you know, not extensive, but my experience uh, in the military, you know, I've, I've had some great officers in charge, uh, and, you know, and that makes a difference uh, when you do have one that's there for the right reasons, um, to look out for the men and women below them and to make sure we get the job done. But on the other hand, I've had plenty who were there for reasons of their own. They wanted to get to the top, make a career, uh, a political career out of it. And, um, you know, as far as a lot of them, you know, you see Millie up there with all of his ribbons and he's, you know, uh, spouts off as, you know, he's a combat veteran. You know, from what I've seen, you know, a lot of these officers, they pick and choose, uh, you know, they go over into country um, and then they'll pick and choose when to go out just so they can earn a ribbon 
that says they've been in combat because that's a check in the box to get to the top, right? Um, but a lot of them, they're not they're not real combat veterans. Uh, they're you know they're not real warriors. All right, the current state of our military leadership, Millie aside, obviously, I think we agree on that. Where, where are the good ones? Are, are there good ones, Eddie? Because and I'm asking, these guys are the ones training the next generation. If we have nothing but a bunch of crap generals and admirals, we are in deep, deep, deep trouble. I don't care how good our guys on the front line are. Are there good ones in there? There are definitely good ones. You know, these officers that are coming up through the ranks right now, um, you know, the, the way... Once they hit 0405, they're either uh, told you conform or get out. Um, and a lot of them do get out. Uh, a lot of good officers get out at a, at a very uh, young stage in their career. Um, what we need is for those officers to stay in, to stand up for what is right. Uh, and there needs to be a change, an internal change in the system of how these officer, uh, officers are looked at or how they look at their career. Um, and the elitist attitude that a lot of them have, it needs to it needs to change. And I think where that change needs to happen is at these military academies like Annapolis and West Point. Um, they need to sort of take a step back, look at the situation that we're in right now, um, because they're losing a lot of trust uh, with the American people and also with the uh, men and women below them. And that's not a good thing. It is not a good thing. I, 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 there's never been another time in my life where people hear the words CIA, FBI, or general, and half the country instinctively rolls their eyes. And I'll tell you, that's what I do now, too. I, I wanted to be one of these guys my whole life, and now I just sneer at the whole system and how rotted it is. Uh, be honest with me. Is it too rotted to be fixed? No. I don't think it's too rotted to be fixed. I think we just... I think there... Again, uh, what Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is saying, you know, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be transparency. There needs to be an honest assessment of how these military you know, leaders and these officers are coming up through the ranks, and there needs to be change. Uh, but until the military can act honestly like take a step back and take accountability, know that there's, say that there's something wrong, admit that there's something wrong within the officer ranks, then that won't happen. It's, you know, it's, uh, but, I do think with the current situation that we're in and people are seeing it firsthand um, that there can there will be a change at some point. Um, and I'm hoping it's uh, sooner than later. Amen. Fingers crossed for that. Eddie Gallagher, thank you so much. Semper Fi, appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. Semper Fi. All right. We'll be back. the Lance Corporal, the Marine, who pulled that baby over the wall. You remember the video from Afghanistan. Joining me now to talk about him being investigated and other things is Tom Amenta, former Army Ranger and co-author of the book, The 20-Year War. Tom, uh, he didn't say anything political, wasn't in uniform, and mm -hmm. yet immediately he's being investigated. How can I take what's happened to our military as anything other than a political purge of enemies of the Democrats? 
You know, honestly, man, I, this is just some of this has just gotten so silly to me. Uh, like, he didn't break any rules. He, he, you know, he didn't break any laws. And if he chooses to to be a supporter of of President, you know, former President Trump, and wants him run again in twenty twenty four, then God bless him. Like, this is this is just getting to the point where we are getting so petty and so into our echo chambers that a. a, a an American can't choose to support another American political candidate. Like, it's just absurd. Like, it's not even the military thing to me at this point. It's just the, like, how, what race to being petty can we get to, right? Like, it's just, it's it's obtuse. It's just, it's so dumb. It's like, why are we even having this conversation, man? Like, have we really lost that much common sense that someone can't voice the opinion of whom they'd like to see elected in America? Like, that's a basic American freedom saying, this is my guy or this is my girl who I want to see win an election. Like, it's just dumb. Uh, but Tom, but, but that's, that is where we are, though. It, it has become so absurd, and you're 100% right about it. Common sense, Tom, we can't even agree that a, a man is a man and a woman is a woman anymore. There's, there's no, no common sense at all. We've just completely, collectively lost our minds. I, dude, I, 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 I don't understand why you would possibly investigate this kid. I don't. Like, it, it's so... It, it just doesn't pass the common sense test. I keep going back to that every time I read about this story. It's like, he prefers a specific presidential candidate. Is he 18? Yes. Is he choosing to exercise his voice in America? Yes. Does he happen to do a certain job, which, by the way, he didn't violate the rules of? So what's the problem here? Who Why do we care? That's my question. Why does anybody care? Uh, I want to play you this of Mark Milley, again, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And I just like this. This is one of those things that has been quite a wake up call for me. I suspected a lot, but boy, this is a wake up call. Switch topics here very quickly. General Milley, do you think if the Chinese Communist Party decided to invade Taiwan, would their military leadership call and give you a heads up? I think there'd be a period of increased tension, indicators and warnings, and I think there'd be an exchange of various communications at all levels. Uh, Department. You really of State. think the Chinese? And I think you really I think would, that you really think the Chinese Communist Party head of their of the PLA would call and say, "Hey, General, FYI, we're going to get ready to invade Taiwan." I just thought I'd give you a heads up. You think you? I know. You I honestly would, think that. I know. I'd call him and ask him. No, I'm asking the other question. I would call him and ask him outright. You think he'd give you a heads up? I think on the that, invasion um, of Taiwan. I, I think it, I think an invasion of Taiwan would be a fairly obvious thing to pick up on. That is so embarrassing for so many reasons, Tom. I don't even know where to begin. It is clear that he knows China wouldn't. It's clear he knows, gosh, I can't believe I'm even saying this, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is some subservient being to his Chinese counterpart. And man, I just feel like vomiting. <laughs> you know, Millie has just constantly put himself in these in these situations, or, or maybe ultimately history will look back and say that it was just foisted upon him. I don't know, but it just seems like he cannot, for all of his... Uh, you know, when he was being questioned by Tom Cotton um, about, you know, would he resign or things and, and calling all these things political statements and all this other stuff and how he's not supposed to be a political being, man, he just seems to keep running into basic political traps, doesn't he? Like, answer the question. 
No, I don't think the the president, uh, you know, or the the premier of China would call me or their senior general leadership, right? Like, be honest about it. We all know it, man. Like, they're not calling us, especially if they're invading Taiwan, who we consider an ally, who they keep increasing their aggression of flyovers, and they keep trying to find ways to, you know, bother us through bothering them. Like, of course, they're not going to call us. Like, own it and then own the response. Like, it's it, not only is it embarrassing, it's just bad basic PR, which I don't understand if he really just wants to be a soldier, give a soldier's opinion, right? Like, if you're not a politician and you're a soldier, then be a soldier. Answer the question directly and, and forthrightly. Or if you're a politician, then play the politician game. But play it better, man, because this is, like you said, embarrassing. Tom, I am actually worried about Taiwan, not because I actually have some affinity for Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike them. I don't like them. I don't I don't pretend to be some Taiwanese patriot, but I'm worried about the micro microchip situation. And mm -hmm. I'm very worried about China testing the waters, if you will, not to not to do a South China Sea thing of going <laughs> ahead and taking Taiwan and daring us to do something about it, because I think I think they know what we all suspect. We won't do much. Well, when you look at the fallout from Afghanistan, you're definitely, I don't want to say you're forced. Yeah, no, I'll say it. You're forced, you're forced to conclude that America seems to be very disinterested in protecting and supporting talents. And if we weren't prepared to stick it out in a place that we had all that investment in, what are we going to do for Taiwan? It's, it's, to your point, it's a very fair question, and there's very serious geopolitical ramifications when you start stripping it down, not just for microprocessors and trade and you know some of the critical components of the emerging technology market, but you also have just the stability of the region, right? We have we you know it's we have bases in Okinawa. We have the, you know, we constantly have the fifth fleet and other Pacific naval carrier groups all out there. What does it mean if they take away a key stronghold and a critical ally? Because we don't have a lot of them in that region. And for that matter, is the current administration actually going to defend and support our allies? Because the date, they do not seem to be very interested in uh, not even forget using the sword if need be, even rattling the saber, which is concerning. That's part of your political strategy is the ability to force project with our military. Tom, what's changed in our military? I mean, I remember, look, World War II, we're out there winning world wars. And since then, and let's just breeze on past Korea, since then, there hadn't been a lot of victories out there, Tom, and I'm looking at all these fancy planes and all these fancy mm -hmm. aircraft carriers, and everybody knows we legitimately have the best frontline guys out there. Yep. Uh, what happened to us? I, I think it's time to have a really uncomfortable conversation and, and face the hard and uncomfortable truth is that the American military is a microcosm of America. Part of what makes the military so great and the call to service so critically important in my mind is that the United States military is a microcosm of all 328 million Americans. And what I think is happening is that one, we're seeing a reflection in the mirror of in our military of what American society is evolving to, and we don't like it, and in my opinion, we shouldn't. But the other thing is, is I think that as the time has gone on, especially over the past 20 years, I'm not entirely sure if it's as representative as it once was, because you're starting to see a warrior class develop which leads to more confusion for people who have no interest in serving, who don't want to step up and answer the nation's call. And as you have all of these things starting to happen, you know, one, the representation of America, but also starting to see the sort of undercurrent of, you know, generation after generation after generation of serving and that disconnect, then you see this really, really uncomfortable facet of 
the American society being out of step and out of touch with the military on some levels. And it's, it's tragic because it shows just the echo chamber. It shows the divisiveness in America when we can't all pull together to defend the nation that we all know and love. America's greatest strength is supposed to be its diversity, right? It's supposed to be the fact that we are the great melting pot of the world and that what we all believe in is just, you know, freedom, democracy, and the American way. And to see that being chipped away at and to see the evolution of the problems cropping up in the military, I think on some levels, unfortunately, is a, is a microcosm of America. Tom, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, brother. Always good to hang out with you. Be good. You too. All right. Keep on keeping on. Next. I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. Okay. Joining me now, my friend Jason Beardsley. He's the National Executive Director for the Association of the U.S. Navy. He's also a national security expert. Jason, I, I, I mean, just to recap for everybody, I obviously know you know, and so does everyone watching, we pulled out of Bagram. We just then decided to secure some local jerkwater airport, which you can't properly do. We got 13 of our people incinerated. And in response to that, we drone strike the family of 10, including young children. And our military leadership, I might add, came out the next day and said it was a righteous, righteous strike, I believe is the way they put it. Uh, uh, do we know yet how we got this intelligence? Who told us that's the vehicle to hit? Well, uh, Jesse, that was such a bad incident. And if we just listen to them, they were probably getting the intelligence from the Taliban. We talked about the whole time using the Taliban to help facilitate the exit of our people from Afghanistan. That's a tragedy. What they told us was we were gonna have the capacity to do over the horizon strikes. Well, we see now what the effect of that is and what the real results of over the horizon intelligence looks like, and it doesn't look that good. Would you, for the dumb ones among us, chiefly me, would you please explain over the horizon what exactly they mean by that? Sure. This is the reliance of our systems, defense, uh, intelligence systems, to peer into uh, locations and intelligence through electronic means, satellite, drones, things that are remote, and they can't paint the human terrain, the characteristics unfolding on the ground. Over the horizon literally means out of the country, beyond the range of humans, who can tell you that the guy driving the truck is an NGO worker or that the kids on the ground were innocent civilians. So over the horizon, we've had problems with that before. We walked into 9-11 with a reliance, a heavy reliance on technical remote intelligence gathering systems, satellites and those type of things. And then we missed what happens at the human level. So that's, that's not the best way to do intelligence. Shockingly, satellites can't give you all the intel you need, especially with people who are smart enough to switch to a pen and paper now. But I digress from all that. Uh, Jason, I do want to ask about our allies who were there. I mean, we did have a bunch of human intelligence assets there. I, I obviously know there's a bunch of stuff you can't talk about. I'm sure we didn't get them all out right, and I can't imagine they met a very kind end if the Taliban got a hold of them. 
Jesse, this is one of the sadder stories. It's going to hurt for a long time. Folks that have been on the ground working with incredible assets from Afghanistan and others who were left in place and then given spoof emails because we left our biometrics machines behind so that the Taliban walked them into what were purportedly safe houses and then executed people. We're seeing what was essentially a hunt and kill list left behind by us and given to the hands of people who we said we were gonna rely on to again, quell the situation. So another example of having the wrong people rely on really bad, bad characters. Okay, so we left behind a list of our human intelligence assets. That, that alone is bad enough. Do we know, was that done on purpose? Please tell me it was more of a, oh, I forgot my car keys situation. At least that would be kind of understandable. Well, to be clear, what, what we're talking about now are electronic equipment that we used for years to do things like biometrics, fingerprints, um, assigning people uh, contracts or where we're paying them for work. Some of that material was destroyed. Some people were good about getting it destroyed on the run out or the rush out of the embassy, but enough stuff was left behind that the Taliban had access to equipment that we had relied on. So once they had that access, it's all about exploiting it. It's just like going into somebody's computer, finding all the contacts you're looking for. So it's it's not clear how it happened, but what we know for sure is that the rush out of Afghanistan was the problem. The, the way it was done, the sequence, you mentioned Bagram, you mentioned you know doing a Podunk airport that we held down. We are prepared to do this as a military non evacuate non-combat evacuation operations we can do this but instead we relied on other mechanisms optics and optics if if war was all about optics the u.s military would be in a beautiful position but war is really about real results and right now we're not seeing good results okay i, I don't want to belabor the point and i'm asking you something that i'm sure you probably either can't say or won't say but okay so we leave biometric data behind let's just call it accidental somebody somebody left a suitcase there how can the Taliban access that? I mean, even my stupid laptop at home that I can hardly work has a password on it. Afghanistan is this uh, playground. There are plenty of nefarious actors, including state actors like Russia and China and Pakistan. And they're not just exploiting that equipment we left. They're, we're talking about exploitation of cell phones, cell phone towers, base stations, things that they are very interested in. So for example, rolling through a bunch of cell numbers that were left in systems, they could call cell phones, get people to answer and ping their locations and then proceed to hunt and chase. So we have other nefarious state actors that have been involved in this as well. Thank you, Jason. That's pretty much what I thought. Gosh, that sucks. All right, uh, we have this story came out from Red State. Looked like the, the, the author, Jennifer Van Lahr, had plenty of sources and plenty of backup for it, where it looks like the general, you know, the last man off the ground, that, that he did that whole thing that he saw in the movies, I'm sure. Looks like he walked on a plane and kicked 50 to 100 people off it so he could load on a Toyota truck that the Taliban had used as a souvenir. And we're hearing those people who were kicked off were executed. What do we know about this, Jason? This is really bad. Well, this is one of those areas where when the truth comes out, it explodes and it gets messy, especially for people that were involved. But sometimes that messy is the only way we the people, we the Americans can get to the truth. And in this case, there is a lot more mess that will be coming out. I have no veracity on this, but I can tell you that from folks that were on the ground, there were a lot of incidences that really will raise the ire of service members 
and Americans who believe in their country and love who we are and presume that everything we're doing there uh, has integrity and is guided by our moral principles. So when we leave any person behind, uh, it hurts us. And we've got folks, NGOs, uh, veteran service organizations, great uh, organizations trying to expedite or facilitate the movement of people out of Afghanistan who are being stopped or blocked or uh, thrown paperwork that they can't commit to or changes every day this is happening from our own government. So what we know generally is that the case to be made for the movement, the easy movement of people out of country, time after time after time is being stymied. The real question that Americans have to ask is why? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they want to ask because I don't think anybody's going to like that answer. But Jason Beardsley, Jason, thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you, man. Good to, good to see you again. Thank you for what you're doing, Jesse. Appreciate it. If that story turns out to be 100% true, and let me be clear, right now we have no indication it's untrue. Whew. The state of rot in our military is really, really, really bad. All right, we got more. Hang on. You don't want to lose a major war. I don't want to lose a major war. And people do not understand how serious this situation is. And it's, it's hard to quantify, right? It's hard to quantify. What, we, we go fight Iraq? Uh, we've messed around in Afghanistan for 20 years. It's been decades and decades and decades since we fought a major war against a major power. So we can't wrap our minds around that. And here's another thing we can't wrap our minds around. Losing a major war. Oh, I know about Vietnam and whatnot. I mean, on our own soil. We don't even know what that's like. We don't want to know what that's like. If we don't get this rot and filth fixed, we're going to find out what that's like. Nations don't last forever. What we talked about on this special is a really, really, really big deal. I hope everybody's paying attention. All right, we'll do it again.